Welcome to Let's Fix Things, exploring how user experience impacts the world of IoT and connected devices. Welcome back to this week's podcast. Good morning. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. <laughs> we, we, we got greatness today. We got, we got more on Echo. We got, some, we, got, we got the Philips Healthcare stuff we didn't get into last time. We got complaints galore. But before that, <laughs> I quit. I found a much better job. I, I, I went online and I, I found a job for a, a bot copywriter at Booking. So I, I can write dialogue for bots from now on. I don't have to talk to people anymore. I can talk to my robot. So I don't think the job is to write the bot for yourself, you know. Uh, 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 oh, God, where do I start on that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, no, it's, it, it's actually a really needed idea and something that, uh, well, okay. So, so you know this. We've been talking to visual designers for hiring people over at Raft for quite some time, figuring out uh, what we're looking for. And one of the questions that we ask, of course, is what does visual design mean in a post-screen world? Ooh, so scary. Uh, but for situations where you don't have screens, like chatbots and um, voice control, what you know, what is what is visual design or what does brand become at that point? Yeah. So, what did you learn from from looking over the job description? Well, they're asking for all kinds of things that that are that have more human qualities, you know, as, as with bots, anthropomorphization is, is happening all across the board. That's why you're calling your speaker by an actual name. That's why you're telling your speaker to tell somebody else, which is actually an app to do things. That's why on the Amazon Echo, that's why they call it skills instead of the app store. And, and you, you see, you just here. took away my gusto. I was going to bitch about that and now I can't, <laughs> but let's bitch about it later. But you see it here as well. They're, 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 asking for creating a consistent and recognizable personality. So this is what UI text became, right? So when you went back 10 years ago, you're doing applications and now it's, it, it, you know, it's a UI text writer because you want consistent terminology for the user. You don't want to blame the user on anything. You want to have clear, concise language. And now it's simply become a bot job. Yep. I'm, I'm thinking Clippy. Bot job. Uh, no, God, no, I'll never be like, <laughs> I can't sing. Don't blame me for that. <laughs> uh, I have nothing to do with Clippy. I, I, you said the original bot. Uh, the hell was it? Oh, so, so you're saying about the anthropomorphization. I can't even pronounce that word. Uh, so I got, okay, follow up from last week. Yeah, oh, you know what? I'm not even going to do that yet. I'm going to go into the, my complaints about the bot that I just had to deal with. Yeah. So for, for, <laughs> for some of our next episodes, we're going to be discussing... Uh, service providers off, offering smart home devices and packages. And I went on AT&T's website to get a download of uh, their offering. And so a little a little window pops up for me like, hey, do you want to chat with AT&T? I'm like, hell yes, I do. Who doesn't want to chat with AT&T? And so I pull it up and I wanted to know uh, what, what I was curious about was were their devices white labeled devices that they made? Was it white labeled that somebody else made? Uh, or did they have some sort of partnership? I, you know, I wasn't going to guess that a customer service person was going to know this, but I figured there was the chat. It popped up. Why not just ask the, the question and check it out? Joe, what happened? <laughs> Thanks, since you're sitting here. I, I don't think you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it, it gives me a great, uh, hello, can I help you? What's your name? So, hey, I'm Joe. Uh, so then the next message, please wait while a secure chat connection is established. So I was like, okay, 
I waited for about 30 seconds. I assumed it should be established, so I asked my question. Uh, then it comes back, thank you for your patience. Please continue to wait. Okay, so then I, I wait a little bit more. And then I got the message again, please wait while I secure chat is established. So, I, I, and then I guess from my first question, I got, um, hi, my name is Karen. I can only imagine this is a bot, which is why I'm bringing this up, because this is so like asinine of a response. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm a chat representative with AT&T's Digital Life. Uh, who do I have the pleasure of chatting with? I just gave you my name above. Like, the, I know these chats got to be like, you know, uh, uh, archived somewhere. So it's not like, so you're clearly just missed that one. And then it follows these up like within seconds. Thank you for being the best part of AT&T. You have actually reached the AT&T Digital Life Sales Department. That's exactly who I wanted to reach. Excellent. I, this is wonderful. I will have to get you over to customer care chat. No, no, I, I don't know why would you do that. Please, please don't do that. Uh, and then it apologizes to me. It gives me a phone number. I ask, no, no, I actually wanted to speak to a digital life sales representative. And then it says, thank you for chatting. The agent has left the chat. Um, and so this book closed. I, that was it. Yeah, I, I can only imagine this. Like I had some keyword in my question that made them think, I was asking about customer care. It tried to send it over. It clearly, it, it, so that's my bot's failure of, of the day. I Yeah, you now have bot escalation systems that they use for things like this, where a bot will provide you with the early kind of sorting through who is this person? Yeah, uh, so if you use profanity, you get through faster. So. Uh, that you, you might. You, you might also get bot has left uh, has left the chat. But... <laughs> It's it's basically uh, the same thing as as you have on phones where it says press one to do this, press two to do that. The bot is is taking over that work in a more human form, in a more con conversation kind of way, and trying to pick Clearly apart what not. you're saying. Yeah. And then at at some point when it's out of answers, it can escalate to an actual chat user, but you don't know what that moment is, so it becomes really difficult. You, you don't know. Do I need to use language that a robot gets, or do I need to use language that a person gets? Can I get angry? Does it matter? Well, and you don't want to say when you get transferred over, you don't want to say, hey, you're speaking with, you know, Chris. I'm a real person now. <laughs> like, I'm a real boy. Like not, yeah, I'm just going to get pissed off at that point. I was, I'm like, who, who was I talking to? Why am I talking to a computer? Uh, and, and even today, I, I, had a, I had a brainstorm with, um, with a client today. And the client was, was wholly unfamiliar with bots, didn't know what they were doing, didn't know how they would work. And I imagine that's actually quite a large number of people is... Um, yeah, just just not aware of these things, not aware of how to build them or how to create them, and then that handover process. Mm -hmm. yeah. But on the follow-up side, because you mentioned making making bots more lifelike. Last week we talked all about Alexa, and oh mother, uh, no, it didn't. It didn't trigger. It didn't trigger. Okay, <laughs> we talked about the device, uh, the 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 Amazon device, uh, <laughs> and we talked. You know, we went through uh, all of your uh, stuff. And yep. I finally got mine set up. Yeah. So now we really can't say it anymore. Yes. Yeah. So it's sitting, it's sitting next to us, ever, ever vigilant watching us. Uh, but one of the funnier things was I had a friend over over the weekend and I was asking her to interact with it because I wanted to see how someone who had no knowledge of what this thing was at all. Besides, I, I just told her it's a voice command, you know, thingy. It will play music. It will control the lights. You know, but try to talk to it, ask it a question. It does some general purpose stuff. Uh, so she asked a few questions and it was, uh, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And then she said, uh, device, why are you so stupid? <laughs> and it just came back. 
I'm sorry, I'm still learning. And <laughs> the look on my friend's face was just one of, of pure sadness. Like, oh, and, and, she, and she was just saying, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I feel really bad. I hurt its feelings now. I was like, I was like it's, it's, it's a speaker. With, 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 it's, not a, it's not a person. You really don't have to worry about it. But it, it, was such a, it was such an emotional, visceral response after the device said, I'm sorry, I'm still learning. Just because just she didn't expect it, right? She expected something like, oops, I can't compute that, where it was really a person. Yeah. And now it's, now it's, I mean, well, it's really a computer. Now it's acting like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It'll remember, Joe. It'll start to be less nice to you tonight. It'll flip it's, on the lights in the middle of the night because it's angry at you. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> uh, oh, God, the lights. Okay, so where do, where do we start on, on my past week with uh, the Amazon device? First, set, set up, you know, I, uh, I messaged you during setup. Yeah. Because I had some struggles there. I couldn't get the mobile application to work, so I had to go online and get the web app uh, connected. Once I got it connected, uh, you know, over here, so again, for those of you who are not familiar or maybe just tuning in, we, we broadcast from Amsterdam. Um, the, the Amazon Echo is only set up to work in the U.S. Really. I mean, it, it works outside, but a lot of functionality doesn't exist. Yeah. So uh, Basically, you know, when you ask it for the weather, it gives you the weather of an address in the U.S., when you want to set an alarm clock, you need to deduct the hours that uh, of the time difference to make sure that your alarm goes off at the time you want. Yeah, so uh, some 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 difficulties there since we are over in uh, in Europe. I did get it set up, and Chris, you mentioned this last week, and I think this is I think this is a good point to follow up on because it 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 gets right into this intersection with hardware, software, cloud, natural language, pretty much everything we've been talking about since we started this uh, this podcast. Which is how do you actually? Well, two things. Okay, first, interacting with a device, thinking you're using natural language, but you're not. You're using a specific chain of commands. So, device uh, play song by artist, or device shuffle artist, right? And then uh, device turn on the lights in my parentheses room. Right. Yeah. So there are, it, it, it sounds like sentences, but they, you have to know the commands. You can't just start saying random things. Yeah. They, they have some things built in that they, they have synonyms. So when you tell it to stop and then right after you tell it to don't stop, it continues. Things like that. Mm. Uh, it does allow you to um, change parts of commands order. It doesn't care too much about the order as long as it receives a complete command. You can tell it to tell Spotify to do something or you can say play blah 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 on spotify it doesn't care about that order so you have a little bit of flexibility for the rest you're basically having a command language for the thing yeah i have realized that uh, the voice recognition is is much better than siri or from what i get now i can uh, i can yell at it from the other room it generally works uh, i love the speakers because then i can play music through it i wish i could connect the speakers i have now but unfortunately i don't have a sonos system uh, or at the moment so that was one of the first things is that it still goes back to last last week on the speaking two languages and just understanding it, it you know it it's beneficial for designers to speak other languages because it helps you understand the sort of the syntax of language and maybe how to set up commands for it and how to think through how people are going to think yeah which goes back to the chatbot uh post from booking.com because you do have to start to understand how people formulate sentences, how they format sentences. And while we've been talking about it's a designer's role, this is where there's this bit of uh, overlap. Is it a writer? Is it a designer? 
You know, is it, I mean, yes, of course it's a writer, but is a writer really going to understand the types of questions or empathy pieces that a designer would understand? So is this a new type of writer that we're going to see that's going to be specific for these? Yeah, they're actually asking for, for writing skills as well as technical skills. And this is not a typical combination that you see in people's resumes at the moment. Most of the technical guys are technical guys. They don't really do the creative things like writing and, and telling stories and the other way around. Those people do exist, but it's not the typical profile that you see out there. If you are listening to this from a university and you're in design and your school offers a session on writing, I, you know, it's not bad to take it because you are, we are moving into, uh, you know, the whole post screen UI thing. I, I think yeah, everybody likes to give names to, to, to different eras. It's not going to be post screen. I'll break that down in a second, but it would be good. I think it's good for designers anyway to know business or to at least take a course on business. And this is proving that designers should at least have a little bit more uh, understanding of language and how that's formatted because going forward, Again, responsive won't just mean on screens, but across devices. Yeah, and, and responsive to how people work with things, adaptive almost in that way. Can you describe that a little bit more? Well, I guess if it understands a command wrong, it could ask a follow-up question to figure out what you meant, and then the next time it doesn't have to get it wrong. Uh, yeah, like when I screw up telling it to turn my lights on, I just wanted to say clarify, right? Like this, Star Trek got this right, right? Like Picard asked a computer question, computer's, computer's like, ah, oh, clarify. Right. This gives me a really long, you know, five second response or four second response, whatever it is. But it feels very long and inconvenient because I know I've already said the wrong thing from the point that it starts giving me the error message. Yeah. A short little doo doo would be enough. It doesn't need to tell (laughs) you. Like a sad sound. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't need to tell you the same thing every time. It's 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 almost like putting animations in a UI. People like them the first time, but after five times, they get bored by it if they take too long. And the same is for voice responses. It's fun the first time, but after five times, you're like, I know exactly what you're going to say. Stop. It could also, like, I mean, I I assume it will do this eventually. Once it learns, it could say... Uh, hey, I've noticed you continually say the wrong thing. This still surprises me in Facebook. So I, I, I message people in 98% English, but I'll mix in some, some Spanish words sometimes, some Dutch words, some Korean words. And I'll throw in, of course, uh, C, like S-I for yes in Spanish. And that, will, that always corrects me to so. I type in uh, ne for, for yes in Korean, and that corrects it to B. Right, and I'm, I've been doing this for years, and it's still. And I know I can go and probably auto add it to a dictionary somewhere. I'm still too lazy to do that, just because I'm, I'm frustrated. I want the goddamn UI to do it. Like, why can't I just learn? But then, of course, the times that I typed so and it corrected it to C, I'd probably be pissed too. Um, but you know, could can't it just infer with the people I talk to? So things things they need to continue to be a little bit smarter. Yeah, contextual memory would be nice in chats, so mm-hmm. it does understand and. Maybe you talk to one friend in a certain way and another friend in another way, meaning that some friends you use words that other friends should never see that you use. But your autocorrect is really good at carrying a very bad word from one conversation over into a conversation with your mom. Yeah. I can imagine that it's not as easy as, I, as I'm picturing it in my head. Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably fairly complex to understand the context of whether I'm using so or see or be or nay, those types of things. 
Yeah, and I, I guess the other problem is like, where do you store this information? Is it device specific? Do you store it on your phone? But how does Facebook then know it? If you're in the Facebook chat, okay, fine. So you store it at Facebook, but how does WhatsApp then do it? It's it's a little bit of a problem. You don't have a, there's no digital profile of yours that, that is cross app and can be used. The, the dictionaries are always attached to something and not to everything. I'd be okay if it weren't cross app, I guess. I, yeah, because I understand that that issue. Uh, okay, last thing before we move into, or at least on the follow-up, what else was there? Well, there's the content discovery part. So again, mm-hmm. I, I've known about the Amazon device for quite some time, um, but my friend who came over did not know anything about it. And one of the things that she really struggled with was content discovery. Yeah. And there's 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 the rationale that your screen is not going away, or at least any time, not for the next several years, not even close. No, there's no such thing as scanning. You have to wait the whole list if you ask what there is, the only thing it can do is name everything. It doesn't allow you to do anything quicker than sitting through the whole thing. Even with, um, even I, I've been thinking about this now because everyone's like, Star Trek was voice. And you're like, but they had screens. They had screens. Like, like it was like computer put the information on the screen. And up came, the, they're not looking at the dilithium crystals in the warp core. Like they're not having the computer describe that. You know, like you need to look at it. The same, I mean, photos is obviously the most the most critical one, right? But yeah, discovery. How do I know? I, I've never used Spotify. I just got an account yeah. um, to to sign up with this. The, so how would I, I don't know what they have on it. This is why I'm so curious about uh, Mac OS Sierra that is going to have Siri integrated right there into your. Uh, I'm going to be desktop. pissed. I'm going to let me. Do, 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 do. I'm going to be pissed off if it's not the same Siri. I want the same Siri across my devices. God damn it! I don't care about that. How many Siri devices will all of a sudden be on? like one group of tables in our office. It'll be so much fun to just have other people's computers do the same thing as mine. What? 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 <laughs> well, when you say, hey, Siri, there's five computers there um, that will just respond to the same thing. It'll be amazing. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I, okay. You know, I mean, that's that's even one beyond what I was, I was thinking, which is the Apple TV Siri is not the same as my phone Siri. And if my computer Siri... Is not the same. At, oh God, oh, this is gonna piss me off. And I, I got to admit, I am Siri's personality has now has now wavered, wavered. Yeah, you know, it's it's gone overboard. Somebody, I mean, many people have already brought this up, but your your filing is styling. It's done. That's it's jumped the shark, nail in the coffin. You cannot say that shit. No, wrong. Uh, and and that's what that's what I really like about the device that's sitting next to me is that there's um. It's not trying to be so cutesy personality. It's just trying to be sort of helpful to you. Yeah, and it's not there if you're not talking to it. That's a nice thing. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so once Apple does their event in September, we're going to have to see what comes out because I think it'll be really interesting to do a full show on the breakdown of, okay, on one side, you know, you have Amazon with the uh, E device, E-C-H-O, just in case somebody like Chus has their device named to that. You have the dot, you have the tap, right? So you have all your devices there. And then on the Apple side, you have your phone, you have your Apple TV, you have your computer, uh, you have your tablet. And then what's the positives and negatives of that? Who's going, who's going to start winning this, uh, this war of words? Because, uh, you know, then you'll have all the devices and each, each side has a positive, right? So Apple travels everywhere with you. 
whereas Amazon is always on and listening and there's a specific device for it at your home and it, both have great use cases. And, and who gets control over your home lights if you have to? I'm, I'm quite sure that in the beginning, there will be so many issues with systems trying to retain state and then that not being across the different devices, like you have an Echo that thinks the lights are on and then you have a Siri that thinks the lights are off. Will they check beforehand? There will be so many new incompatibilities coming out in a moment you have more devices that can control the same thing. So my, my home kit seems to have stopped working a few weeks ago, but I can get that back for next week uh, and we can try that out because I do, I have um, the Amazon device hooked up for it and I have HomeKit hooked up to my Philips Hue lights. So we should be able in theory to test this out. Uh, it is killing me that Siri does not play yet Apple Music and it also kills me that all, like so much of my music that I know so I don't have to deal with content discovery uh, lives in Apple Music, which then Echo cannot um, deal with. Okay. Main, main topic? Yeah. Okay. Phillips. Mm -hmm. We mentioned this last week, and then we immediately diverged into um, the automotive industry. So we need to talk about Phillips releasing healthcare products uh, a few weeks ago. Recapping from last week, uh, they have launched a watch, a blood pressure mon two blood pressure monitors, a scale, and a thermometer. Now, despite having uh, someone at Raft uh, hanging out at Philips and working over there, we have not been able to get devices yet. Uh, we are well. We've we've been able to now get a little bit of the watch and see a little bit of the watch now that he's it's public, um, and you know we we want to use it more. I've, we've been told maybe we could borrow it uh, if we're lucky, and I can test it out during some of my workouts or some of my day. I'm, I am curious to test these out because this is on the, I believe, FDA device list. It is, yeah. I don't want to get this confused. It's not FDA approved, but on their device list. Yeah, correct. Uh, so the reason why I diverged into the automotive industry was because we were talking about insurance. And what does, uh, as healthcare wearables or healthcare or IoT products, and that could be a wearable, that could be a home device, that could be a pill dispenser, as these become more and more um, available. What does that mean for insurance companies? Uh, for car insurance, we talked about, you know, this might, car insurance might totally go away. Um, but we, you know, we don't know who's at fault for an accident. But for health insurance, that's a little bit more clear because you can't, well, you can cheat by not wearing the wearable, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're going to eat, you know, uh, a 20-strip pack of bacon, and if something's watching you eat that, Maybe your insurance premium is going to go up. Maybe it's going to go down. So before, uh, insurance was based on history, and now it can be based a little bit more on the present. And based on the present that you're doing right now or recently, it can also be based on the future. So if I start, um, you know, if I start now drinking a liter of, of whiskey every week, well then, uh, you know, there would be nothing for my insurance to go up normally because there wouldn't be any signs associated with that. But now if it knows I'm doing that, hmm, you know, what happens? Yeah, yeah, and you have to keep in mind you're, you're creating a digital trace in a way of things that you do. And this watch, for instance, uh, can, can share things with your doctor as far as I understood it. So it's not only for personal tracking, but it's also for basically creating a log that, that can help you analyze if, if you can live healthier because this watch can also help people that have a certain condition live in a way that will make them... Um, live live as well as possible through that so it's it's really a medical device it's not just a, a heartbeat tracker that you're doing just to see if 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 it's still working <laughs> no it's not a fitbit 
No. It's not. It's, I mean, it is a step counter as far as I know, but it's not like a fun device. This is supposed to be something for more medical situations, but will we see companies uh, in the future mandate these? I, yeah, so I, I can see that it initially starts with, uh, with a dialogue between you and your physician or, or you and your coach or somebody, but that means it's stored somewhere. And uh, Apple actually recently bought a company that does this type of stuff that stores um, medical data for Wait, you. Wait, who, who did you say bought? Apple. Apple, okay. Thank yeah, you. They're, they're not saying what it's for, but of course, Apple has HealthKit, so we can kind of see what's happening there. And the company was actually into creating uh, something that we here in the Netherlands also have been talking about for years in politics. It's called an electronic patient dossier, which is your full medical history in an electronic format that can be passed between different doctors or different hospitals. So they know everything about you, not only the last stuff that they got from somebody else through email. We already have that in the Netherlands, don't we? It is uh, sort of in effect here, but the, there's lots of protest against it because, of course, Europe is uh, much more concerned about privacy than uh, than they are in the, or seem to be in the U.S. Privacy is really a much, much bigger uh, political thing here. Hmm. I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought much of, I mean, again, I'm, I'm from the U.S. originally, so I was thinking more of the situation that's going to come up. Uh, I, again, I, I don't foresee any companies mandating this and going through with it, but I do see companies who would say, look, maybe if you wear this, if we're helping pay your insurance or something, we're going to charge you less if you wear it or something. Like, yeah. it, it, it seems like it is a good and a bad. I mean, obviously from the good side, it may help you uh, practice better health habits. From the bad, does it feel like there is pressure on me to wear something or to surrender medical data uh, in order to get a discount on something? Or not just, it, it, am I... Uh, so, okay, two episodes ago or whatever it was, two or three episodes ago, we talked about people will pretty much give up any uh, data necessary for convenience. Yeah. But for saving money, I don't know. And uh, yes, to an extent, ethically, something, something's just a little confusing to me there about, you know, how are companies going to use this data? And if I go to a festival one weekend and, you know, drink a few liters of uh, whiskey and Coke, I'm all of a sudden I'm going to get a letter from my healthcare provider saying, You've put additional strain on your liver. You know, we are now upping your premium by two euros a month. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about people who will uh, have to wear this because they have a certain condition in which it is beneficial for them to wear a certain tracking device. And this one, of course, since it's on the FDA devices list, is probably right now your go-to uh, device versus an Apple Watch or anything else that's just consumer electronics. Well, it'll be cheaper, I, I think, first off, cheaper than an Apple Watch from what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, okay, so this is, again, Philips, large company. You have lots of small wearables who do this, but who knows if they are going to be out of business. We talked many, many episodes ago about Google Revolve dropping. Um, I cannot remember. There was just another one, that, another service that dropped as well. Uh, oh, there was the, the iFi cards that dropped. Yeah. Uh, so, so you've had different companies drop, and Philips to me seems more like a, you know, there's a hearty stake in the ground, Um they're going to be behind this. So at least you have some sort of large presence behind this. Yeah. And these devices are devices that are there for your confidence, right? They, they make you feel like everything that you need to monitor is monitored and is being checked. And it's sort of a, a, a thing that tells you, you are still good. Everything is going fine. And I, I think that's very important that, that you don't do that with a piece of consumer electronics, but with something more medical. But 
if that thing then gets hooked up to these other services, do you then become a prisoner of the thing that you need to wear anyway? That's what I find scary, the hooking up of other things to something that is actually just a medical tool. What about when medical devices go awry or when healthcare wearables or wearables that are supposed to help you with your healthcare go awry? No, okay. Not today. Uh, you, uh, no, you sent me an article. So we, we're talking about the healthcare wearables uh, from Philips. Uh, but he sent me an article earlier on a device. Um, mm-hmm. Let me pull up the name here. What was this? Uh, what was this device called? Sona. And we've we've seen a few of these. So this is a uh, fitness tracker uh, wearable, a bracelet style wearable that is um, advertised, or the goal of it is to reduce uh, stress and anxiety. And we read some. Uh, some articles on this, and we've seen a few devices like this. This isn't the only one, uh, but that the article was saying it actually caused more stress uh, because of just having to deal with it, having to deal with the, with the data, the process of, of everything, and sort of thinking about having something on your arm that's always telling you not to be stressed, and the person actively didn't see any reduction in his stress. And, and so all these situations uh, can sort of pile up, and I, I almost wonder... When I start wearing something, if I see data that wasn't there before, do I start to interpret it in a negative way just because you're a little bit more prone to being anxious? Yeah. So exactly with this device, what I feel is that it's it's taking measurements and then coming up with an advice on what you need to do. Whereas you, you don't want an advice and a structure and exercises and all kinds of things that you need to take care of and, and telling you when you're doing things wrong. You want something that's continuous and that can help you out and guide you through something without actually telling you in a sentence or in a piece of, of UI on your phone what you need to do different. You don't want somebody to tell you that you're wrong. You want somebody to hold your hand and guide you through things. It is a beautiful device. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Uh, there, there were some, from reading the article, from what I could see, there were some design flaws as far as usability, but it does look like a very beautiful device. There's another company we met back at CES that was called uh, Doppel, D-O-P-P-E-L, I believe. Yep. And they have a similar situation where they try to provide a heartbeat on the watch in order to sort of course correct your heartbeat. So if you are a little bit more nervous, uh, it feeds you back a heartbeat in order to try to calm yourself down. Now, I I haven't used this, unfortunately. It was a Kickstarter campaign. Um, I believe it's going to ship in November 2016. Really interesting concept uh, as far as most wearables are about collecting information and then trying to guide you through that collection of retroactive ability, whereas this is more about at the point of need, I can put this on and then try to actively reduce my anxiety. So there's a, there's a proactive element. Yeah, yeah. current wearables are fully fully dependent on you rationalizing info that they give you. And this device is actually about being there for you, exactly what I was just hinting at, like, this, this heartbeat can be faster or slower than your actual heartbeat. And it turns out that your body adjusts to that, or at least how you feel can adjust to that. So if this heartbeat is slower than what your actual heart is, is doing at, at the time that you're wearing it, you actually get a more relaxed feel as you uh, don't focus on it even. It's not an active exercise. It's something that happens in the background. I still don't know how, I, I, I don't know, and I have no point of view on how the wearable scene will eventually come together because... You know, whether that's the Sona, whether that's the Doppel, whether it's the Fitbit, whether Apple Watch, the Philips Watch, all of these are occupying the same space on my wrist and I can't, you know, I can't wear them all. And each one has sort of a specific 
aspect on it. I just don't know how this is going to go. It, it does feel like something like the Apple Watch or an Android Watch or something that is a all-in-one device will eventually win out. Um, but, I, you know, I, of course, the kudos be niches, right? So maybe, uh, you know, for a small company moving 100,000 units is going to be awesome and that's all they want to move. Uh, and therefore having a niche in it or a company like Philips is going to have a, a you know, a wearable, a wrist wearable, I shouldn't call it a watch, a wrist wearable that will do you know, heartbeat tracking. And then they'll have another wearable that will do proactive heartbeat um, uh, sort of sensing or you know, feeding. And then there'll be another one. So maybe there's a whole chain of them. Maybe they're, you know, plug and play. You can switch them out. I, I don't know. I haven't given enough thought, but it's interesting to think about from a design point of view. Once again, we have, we have gone a little bit over time. We try to keep these at around a little bit under 30 minutes. We've gone a little bit over 30 minutes. So I think it's time to wrap up. We, you know, we, we uh, still spend a lot of time on Echo. I'll probably complain about Echo more next week and see how that goes. See, oh, now I'm even saying the name. This is horrible because if you listen to this at home, it's going to wake your device up. I apologize if I'm doing that to anybody. Uh, but I would say we wrap up. And at some point in the next weeks, we're going, we have a whole host of topics to get to. Uh, the Apple event will be coming out. Uh, super curious on what we talked about today on the Amazon devices, the voice versus Apple devices and the voice. I, I, I would say Google. I don't know what the hell's going on with them. Uh, I mean, uh, the Google Home device, I really, really want to see out in the wild and see what's going on with it. Uh, but I think for this week, we're good. Yep, we are. So, uh, Foose, good evening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>